Alright people, we are back after a two-week hiatus due to life and work. So, welcome to Shorts by Peeps Creek, where every other hunt Wednesday we bring you stories about crime, love, triumph, and adversity. I'm your host and author, Basaxa Hart. We call our episode Shorts, short for short story. And all the shorts you will hear on this podcast are fictional. That is, the names, characters, places, and events are the pure product of the author's imagination. That is me. Any resemblance to an actual person, dead or alive, or actual events are purely coincidental. The short you're about to hear discusses crime, murder, and contains adult language that may be sensitive to some listener discretion is advised. Now let's continue with the argument. Previously in Chapter 4, The Arrest. Detective Garcia revisited the crime scene after receiving the preliminary results from Coroner Madrid. In doing so, he met with the Romero's neighbors, the Ruizes and the Carsons, and he learned that the Romero's were a loving family. Neither neighbor saw anything untoward occur on or around the time of the Romero murders. At the end of Chapter 4, you heard that Detective Garcia found out that Miss Carson hired a gardener from the local pickup spot where individuals seek employment under the table. Detective Garcia met Carlos, an individual from Nicaragua, who was here to help his sister and subsequently arrested him for the quadruple murder at the Romero's home. You are now entering into Chapter 5, Inside the Well. At this time, Carlos has been in prison for five months, an individual unaware of the American legal system, mainly because he's not from here and because he has never been in trouble a day in his life. Of course, aside from the few times where his abuelli would pop him in the back of his neck for acting mannish. Other than the normal teenage mishaps, Carlo was a relatively easygoing guy, mild-mannered, respectable, and a genuinely hard worker. Now he was sitting in an Albuquerque jail accused of a crime. Carlos was assigned a public defender who literally only met with him 15 minutes before his arraignment and then again right before he was hauled back into the holding cell after the judge denied bail. This was after the prosecution argued that Carlos was a flight risk. The prosecution argued vehemently and very accusatively that because Carlos was from Nicaragua and only here to allegedly help his sister, he had no solid roots in the United States and as such must remain incarcerated into trial to ensure that he would actually show up and face the allegations made against him. The prosecution also argued, and the defense did not do a sufficient job of defending or even objecting for that matter, that Carlos had connections with a criminal enterprise in Nicaragua, and if allowed to seek bail, he would be a flight risk, you know, not show up for the trial. The prosecution made these arguments without a scintilla of evidence, yet the judge ultimately agreed and denied Carlos bail. During Carlos' jail stay, he continuously requested to be released. He had no understanding as to why he was there. Granted, jailhouse lawyers attempted to aid Carlos with his case, but given Carlos' lack of understanding of the USA's legal system, he only felt that he was being bombarded with folks trying to get close to him for some unknown and, quite frankly, untoward reason, whether that be to manipulate him or possibly touch him inappropriately. He had heard stories of how people tried to make individuals their personal slaves. He didn't want to be involved or even seem as if he was signaling a sign of weakness that would invite such. But the bottom line was this Carlos was frightened. 
He was confused. He simply felt helpless. And so each night in his cell, he prayed the prayer of protection in Spanish. He would close his eyes and gently say over and over while rocking, Dios, cuidame de todo peligro. Dios, cuidame de todo peligro. That roughly translates into, God protect me from any danger. Or for some, it translates to, God take care of all danger. Either way, Carlos was praying. Perhaps these recantations were heard by a higher power. Because a civil lawyer, Andre, from Washington, D.C., was paying close attention to the case. For some reason, the case did not sit well with him. He gravitated towards it. Every news account that he could find, he read it. He read about the arrest and thought immediately that there was a rush to judgment by the Albuquerque Police Department. Andre believed that Carlos was being ramrodded into the legal system that was partial to immigrants who for some sh believe shouldn't even be here because they had no legitimate reason for being here except to steal, rob, and kill. In other words, there were some individuals in this good old country, including the land of enchantment, that's New Mexico, who think immigrants are the enemy. Andre, as a black lawyer, fully understood how the legal system that is supposed to be here to ensure that justice is served sometimes does a very bad job of doing it. Lady Justice, who sits in almost every court in America, is supposed to be blindfolded, a symbolism that the facts and evidence is what drives justice, not a person's race, gender, or socioeconomic status. But a cursory review of the latest headlines of injustices show that, in fact, Lady Justice either has on a sheer blindfold or is peeking underneath the blindfold and can see what defendants or litigants are coming through the door and make a determination as to what outcome will come of that person's case. The fact remains that Andre believed that Carlos was not being treated appropriately and he wanted to help. To that end, Andre requested and was granted a sabbatical from his posh corporate law position. Andre had a goal of scratching that itch for doing something good for someone else. He needed to know if there was a way for him to be an effective lawyer by actually helping actual individuals and not simply enriching corporations. He understood that he may not be able to make as much money, but he needed to find out for sure if it was him just having a moment of needing a temporary change or if it was him actually wanting to change his profession or at least the type of law that he's practiced. So Andre reached out to some of his counterparts in Albuquerque that he met at the NBA. That's the National Bar Association. The NBA is the nation's oldest and largest national network of predominantly African-American attorneys and judges, representing about 65,000 lawyers, judges, and law professors, and even law students. He reached out to Veronica, a renowned criminal defense attorney in the Albuquerque area, and asked if she would be willing to serve as local counsel for purposes of pro hoc vice, to which she agreed. Because Andre was not licensed in the state of New Mexico, he needed either to get admitted to practice in the state or get a lawyer to serve as local counsel while he practices in the state for a limited purpose. That's the term pro hoc vice. And if he had local counsel, Andre would be protected against any allegation that he was engaging in the unlicensed practice of law. And so Andre decided to represent Carlos, assuming that Carlos would actually have him. And most importantly, he wanted to get him out of jail so that he can properly prepare for his case. So he flew out to Albuquerque and met with Carlos for the first time about a month ago. That meeting went something like this. Andre walked into the Albuquerque jail with Veronica in tow. Because Andre and Veronica were seeking to represent Carlos, they were able to meet with him in a private meeting room. 
Unlike other visitors who met with their loved ones, friends, or enemies in a room separated by plexiglass to avoid members from touching one another, Carlos was led in by a guard. Because this was the city jail and not county jail or prison for that matter, he was not shackled by the feet. Instead, he was handcuffed with his hands in front of him, wearing the prison's uniform and some brown-looking flip-flops. But in his country, they would be referred to as chanclas. He was short, no more than 5 feet 4 inches, weighed no more than 145 pounds, and his eyes were very gentle, almost calming. When Andre saw him, he immediately said to himself, Now, how the fuck did this guy kill four people in one night? Immediately, Andre knew that there could have been multiple people involved, but given the nature of the crime, or at least as described by the news accounts that Andre read, it just seemed like it was a crime of passion, like someone really wanted these people dead. Carlos sat at the table directly across from Veronica and Andre. He kept his head down and did not look at either of the two lawyers. Andre thought, this guy is very afraid and confused about why he's even in this mess. Andre breathed lightly, looked at Carlos, and said, hello, Carlos, how are you? Carlos said very timidly, hi, 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 senor. My name is Andre Williams, and I'm a lawyer from Washington, D.C. I primarily do corporate law. That's a fancy way of saying that I help companies with their expansions and dealing with their operations. I read about this case some months ago, and it just stuck with me. I understand that you have a public defender. That is just a way of saying that the government had provided a lawyer to you. Is that accurate, Andre said? Carlos looked at Andre and said, Si, I, I have a lawyer, if that is what you want to call it. I, I, I don't know his name, and I've only seen him approximately two times. He did not explain anything to me. He did not help me understand this process. I'm, I'm just so confused. I, I, I don't know what's going on. Veronica said, well, Mr. Lopez, that's why Andre's here. I practice in New Mexico and he practices in Washington, D.C. I'm here so that he can practice for this case if you would accept him. But I'll let him explain that further. Thanks, Veronica, Andre said. As Veronica said, I practice in D.C. Now, I, I normally do. Do not do criminal cases, but something about this case has called me, and I, I want to be able to help you if you allow me to. Now, I cannot promise you anything, but I want to be able to help as much as possible. Since I don't practice here, Veronica is basically agreeing, free of charge, to allow me to be able to practice with her being the local counsel. And also, if you would accept me, my services to you would be completely free. Do you have any questions for me? Carlos looked at Veronica, then at Andre, and then at his hands. A tear fell from both his eyes. He turned his hands over and just looked at him, and then faintly said, Dios me ha escuchado mis oraciones. That roughly translates to, God has heard my prayer. Carlos lifted his eyes and stared at Andre. Señor, I don't know why I'm in this place. I've prayed every night since I've been in this hellhole for the last four months, praying each and every night that God delivers me. I've asked why must I suffer for something I did not do. I've asked for guidance. I've asked that someone help me understand the system that I'm in. I only came here to help my sister with her children because the father refused to take responsibility. I had nothing to do with those crimes. I ran away from the area because I was afraid that the evil that happened there would happen to my household. I never met those people. I need help, senor. 
If you're able to help me, then please help me. Andre stared for a moment and realized at that moment he believed Carlos. He knew that what he was saying was accurate and not simply said out of convenience. He spoke with confidence and said to Carlos, As I've said, I'm not a criminal lawyer. But if you're willing to let me help you, then I will put my entire soul into doing so. The first step would be for you to fire your public defender. Once that is completed, my next step would be to request an emergency hearing with the judge to ask for reconsideration of the bail decision. About two weeks later, Carlos was standing before the very judge that denied his bail once again. Andre stood before the well of the court. May it please the court. Your Honor, we are here to request bail for my client, Mr. Carlos Lopez. You have recently denied bail in this matter, but we are seeking reconsideration of it. First, Your Honor, Mr. Lopez is not a flight risk. In fact, none of the justifications provided by the prosecution was substantiated by any evidence. It edged on the verge of prosecutorial misconduct and reek of national origin discrimination. Simply because an individual is a non-citizen does not logically follow that he or she would be a flight risk. There are factors that must be considered, factors that this court must consider, factors that the prosecution failed to put forth. Contrary to the prosecution's argument, has roots in this country. That's his sister, that's his nephews, and that's his nieces. The fact that he was working under the table does not mean that he's a flight risk. That means that he was doing any and everything possible to help his family make ends meet. That is not murder. His family depends on him for moral and financial support as he is attempting to ensure that they are not dependent on the government. Mr. Lopez has never been in trouble in this country. He has followed all of the immigration laws. It has absolutely no connection with any criminal enterprise here or abroad. The prosecution's argument, to the contrary, is nothing more than unsupported hyperbole. We respectfully request bail so that Mr. Lopez can prepare adequately for the defense of this case. This case hinges upon circumstantial evidence and thinly veiled circumstantial evidence at that. Andre went back to his seat and sat. The prosecution continued its normal contrived arguments that it put forth at the initial bail hearing. Ultimately, the judge allowed Carlos out on bail. He walked out of that Albuquerque jail into the arms of his family. All right, my friends out there in podcast landia, it is time for the short to end. So until we meet again, remember here at Shorts by Peeps Creek, we tell original stories dedicated to crime, love, triumph, anniversary. Don't forget to listen, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast directory, and please be sure to tell a friend. You can send tips, feedback, or other ideas about how the next chapter in this short should unfold by sliding into my DMs on Instagram at Basaxaharp. You can also leave a message or send a text message to 202-618-0043 or visit the website at peepscreek.com. That's spelled P-E-E-P-S-C-R-E-E-K.com. The theme music for the podcast is created by my brother Crazy Drake out of Detroit, Michigan for Blazing Heat Music. Until next time here at Peeps Creek Cafe, we will continue to listen, drink, create, and converse. Peace and love.